Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 21st of July 2019. The first thing I should really say is I hope you're all getting by, as we say, getting by with all the, the hype and hype and hype about, my God, it's summer and we're supposed to roast, except we've never had a summer before, you know. Because all media now is, is going to have a hype when it's on on the format and on, on the agenda of constantly training the public we're living in crisis. And the reason you're living in crisis is because you exist. And so because you exist and you're causing the crisis, they're going to tell you, you've got to pay for it. And you've got to allow the, the big professionals to manage your lives from birth to death, you see. You just can't go on like the way you've been going on forever. There are certain things you're allowed, mind you, and certain things which are absolutely taboo. And it's not hard to find what's, what's allowed and, and what's not and so on. It's very much along the lines, actually, of what Aldous Huxley said. He said that people come to love their servitude. And I've, I've known that's been true probably all my life, I suppose, because most folk want to get by without drawing attention to themselves. They don't want to get noticed, which is fine. And the problem is, uh, it's fine until really you need people to stand up occasionally and say that's enough and stop it to make people back off and governments too with the policies. Because the governments are certainly not there to serve the public. That's a complete farce. If you can't figure that out by now, but it's never been so evident in your face, then you'll never figure it out. But you are going through, again, transition. This is the century of change, remember, the great transition that they kept talking about where everything that existed before in your system had to be annihilated, really, and to bring in the new. That's how it was done. And that's all the old moralities, uh, the old religions that were that were basically taught in all countries. And you can have new ones, which you're told which they are, you're, you're trained what they are because they sound exciting and you can start to manage magic, basically. All the, all the programs on TV for oh, 30 years now, probably, uh, to make it all enticing. Uh, you can have power over everybody and everything. That's allowed because there's no rules to it except... Once again, you've got to obey the system that allows you to do all this. There's a trade-off for everything you do. And the system, which, is, which will knock down any other system of religion, and they are all religions, I don't care what, they try to see some of them are spiritual, spirituality. Uh, no, 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 it's the same thing. All religions have spirituality in them. Don't kid yourself. Uh, so, believe you me, if you're allowed to do certain things, and get away with them, then uh, you, you, there's a payoff, a payoff, and a payback. You must pay them back for for what they're doing because the system you're living in is very clever. It's very old. It's it's not some abstract, um, amorphous, uh, willy nilly, willy the wisp system at all. It's incredibly well coordinated. It's incredibly well managed. And it's been here for an awful long time. And of course, with the internet today, it's got more power than ever before with tracking everybody's 
movements and what they do, what they think, uh, right down to how to, all the experiments have done and you don't even know they've done on you to prompt you and nudge you into thinking uh, the correct ways of, of looking at certain certain things, you see. And that's how it's done. Most folk don't even know they've been trained. They don't even know why they get angry at certain topics that are brought up. It's because in a Pavlovian style sense, they've been, they've been conditioned to react like that when certain topics, or words even, are, are come up. And more will be added in the future, and they'll adapt to them too, without even, even thinking about it. And they'll get angry uh, when these topics are mentioned, or when any topics, are, or names again, or whatever it happens to be at the time. And, uh, and they really will be think that whatever opinions they're professing are their own. It's very, very easy to do. You can take a basic search, any basic search, uh, for those in, who are interested in it at all, into behaviorism and uh, the psychology to do with behaviorism. It's unbelievable. You go on forever looking at all the different universities teaching all this stuff, all the all the jobs that the people have got out there for for big corporations and uh, uh, etc. And governments too using them all the time. Oh, it's endless. There's so much of it to do with behavior management, basically, and to change behavior again to make it malleable to suit those who own you, your own. Do you understand? And that's how companies and corporations see you. Uh, you're, you're, you're becoming a product. You are a product. In fact, when you go into, I don't get, in, get out much. And so when I get into town, I, I do see the changes very quickly. And I, I don't watch television. Uh, so I have to sometimes ask people, where did this come from, that come from? Where did these, the, the, the fad, for instance, this is an example of these very, very narrow pants, generally black, they're all wearing, men or women, it doesn't matter. And uh, I, I guess they're stretchy or something, because you'd swear they were painted on them. And uh, they'd have to be stretchy, because I don't know how they'd even get their feet through them at the bottom. It must be an awful, awful nuisance. But the all kind of form, and that's part of the talk, perhaps, a little bit the talk, maybe, maybe not. But the fact is, people tend to conform, and that's what I'm talking about. People keep their heads down. Most conform. They don't want to be noticed too much. So they want to be like everybody else. And the behaviorists understand this perfectly well. And psychologists, the neuroscientists, etc. And they're always testing out on you. They truly are. And every town that's got a university, even the high schools, we're going to say, they do these experiments sometimes on behaviorism. And, and and get some shopkeepers to agree to to participate with silly little things you would think, but they're, they're showing you how people conform uh, to to behaviour changes. I, I saw it myself, even in Sudbury one day in a in a, a store, a small store that sells things very cheaply, which I mean you can understand what they are, you can figure out the name of it yourself, but. There's a bunch of people in eventually, kind of walking around, and you had a sense, you have a sense there when there's something up, you know, uh, like candid camera type thing. But uh, when I went down to the checkout counter, a whole bunch of folk just all went down just before me, you see, and, and um, they're standing there, and they're at least 30 feet from the, from the checkout counter, like, like it was a little corral type place. And I looked around to see why they all stopped there. And there's no sign anywhere saying stop and wait here, you know, until so-and-so before you is being served who's standing at the, the actual checkout counter. And there's no one person at the checkout counter getting served. 
And I looked at the people, I said, how would they all know this? How would they all know to stop right here? And of course, it, it is an experiment, and I'm sure it was probably done with one of the colleges or something. And beyond camera, to, to show you conformity and how people conform. And the, the few folk in the front would be little paid, or even students, and get, get a few bucks for it. To participate and pretend that, you know, that they are customers and they'll, they'll stand there and you're supposed to stand and think, well, there's going to be some unwritten code here. Most folk will stay there, you see. I didn't, naturally, but I'm sure that's what was going on. I'll put up a link, in fact, which ties in maybe to the talk or talks I've given in the past as well. Uh, and I've mentioned um, Mr. Brown before, who's a great uh, stage performer with his acts, and who, who certainly has a lot of training for sure in behaviorism and the psychologies of people, especially in groups, etc. And he shows you, in one of his, his shows, how people conform so quickly, so incredibly quickly. And I think he called it the ring test, maybe that's what he called it, just because there was no name at the time for it. But you have a, a little waiting room, well, and there's a bench there, or a bunch of seats, which is all next to each other, maybe six or seven, and everyone's coming in to, to, to fill in a, a, a job form, basically. And the person comes in, the, the, the rest of them are already there, filling up their, filling out their form, and they all sit uh, facing the same way. And the person at the end uh, doesn't know, and it's a, a bell rings. Everybody stand, or the three people stand up, which is there's only three there. And then the new person comes. That's four, and so the, the three of them stand up, and the other one says, "Oh, my bear stand up too, yeah," and stand up, and then uh, then it rings again. They sit down. You see, so the person sits down with the other three. Well, the other the three, of course, know what they're doing, and they're, they're the actors, and they do it a couple of times, and then one or two of the three who are actors leave and are, and are replaced by new folk who, who are genuinely trying to get a job and they want to fill the form. So they come in, and but this time you got half and half, basically, of folk already conditioned to stand up who are new, uh, are fairly new, and brand new ones, and who will automatically copy the ones who've just been trained. That They've just been trained. That's the, 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 the whole thing. They've just been trained in a matter of minutes to conform to something that makes no sense, but it's almost like custom habit, or, but it's conformity. Of course, there's always a one or two in any group that uh, won't conform. They think for themselves, and they're more they're a bit brighter, actually. These are the kind of people who will see, see trouble coming because they're aware, and they probably vamoose long before it actually arrives. The rest of them, I'm afraid, if, uh, if even the fake actors, for instance, the actors uh, saw danger coming and stayed there, the, the rest of them would probably just copy them and stay there too till the bitter end. Uh, that's unfortunately how, how easy it is to, to, to alter the behavior of people by using their behavior. Most folk are conformists, they'll adapt, they don't want to stand out. They don't want to uh, be pulled up for, well, didn't you see you're supposed to stand up when that bell rings? And They don't want that. They'll, they'll avoid anything, actually, any kind of conflict at all, especially something that's a reprimand for, for their behavior or not, or not doing certain things. That's, that was even in the, the movie Fight Club. 
and in Fight Club. It's a comedy, of course. And there's a little piece in there where it shows you that people who are passing by, who are having water sprayed on them and things like that, would do anything rather than than confront people who are annoying them or doing the dirt. They'll do anything. They'll try to get around it or walk away or ignore it until you can't ignore it and so on. But they wouldn't retaliate. That's most people. And that's how things really are. Not only is this understanding so important to behaviorists in order to change and alter and have you adapt to new behaviors that they plan for you. And that's how bad it is today. So so it's so obvious. Aldous Huxley talked about it quite a lot, that governments actually depend on the, the, the knowledge that most folk will always just do what they're told. And of course, that's also why horrible things happen in, in history. Uh, that's why you, you always have incredible slaughters, even from the Bolshevik Revolution, even before that, going back to the French Revolution, the incredible slaughter. Once, once these things get started, of course, and uh, they tend to eat their own as time goes on, the communists did the same thing too. Uh, that, that's just the way of it. Uh, you, you'll find they end up eating their own because they, they get things out of hand. And then personal fights and, and power plays get in the way too, and they try to get each other beheaded with a guillotine, as they did in France. And all you needed eventually was an accusation, and the mob just complied immediately without a thought, and it, it just kept going and going and going. Yeah, so it was really bringing France to, not just to, it wasn't in a new era, it was almost to the end of its, its existence. It got so bad, of pure horror. But most of it will comply, and and uh, again, even Animal Farm had it too. George Orwell's Animal Farm, the compliance that you had the sheep, and the sheep, of course, are always a cheering mob. They'll cheer for the system that the leader tells them to to worship, and they will shout four legs good and two legs bad. Uh, against the humans, basically, and they'll chant it and chant it through slogans. And when the slogan changes to, to four legs bad, they, they, they still say it because they, they don't think much. You see, uh, they're, they're like automatons. And you, you look at the crowds that there are. I mean, you can rent in England and elsewhere too. You can rent huge crowds pretty well. Uh, they'll come out and protest anything at all. And they're, they're actually international for in Europe. Some of them were trained years ago. I remember it years ago. I can't remember if it was Hungary. I think we'd been Hungary at the time. Or Czechoslovakia, one of the two. But they had a school there. Because in Canada and in the States, you kept seeing these folk dressed in black outfits that now they call a, a anti-fa. But back then, it was always anti-globalist meetings at the time. But they, would, they were professionals. And I think a few documentaries were made on them, actually, by, by uh, I think Canadian television and others, too. They were trained on agitation and disruptive techniques and so on. And they would go out to these globalist meetings and they would do the real violent stuff to get riots going. That was, that's what, that was what they were hoping to do. It was found out they were actually paid to do this by an organization based over, as I say, in, in Europe. So uh, it's turned into something else. I'm sure it's the same financing by the same people that are behind the Antifa as well. The whole idea is to get the riots starting because most folk are peaceable in the protests. That's just the way it is. No one wants to get their heads bashed in. And governments and their authorities will do that if necessary, in fact. 
I can remember when they were training people in Canada with the, the initial anti-globalist groups, uh, how to com- combat them, basically. And they showed you the techniques that they were training the, the police in Toronto with, for instance, with the banging on, the, on their shields, all dressed in black, these guys like something out of some Star Wars movie, black armor and all that, and then their big shields and their bang, bang, bang. You know, step forward and a bang, bang, bang. And it's like something of Zulu, the movie, and and that's probably where they got it all from. It's all psychological intimidation, and fear and threats and so on. But don't ever underestimate them because when it comes to the crunch, these guys will go in swinging whatever they've got to swing on your head, etc. Because ultimately, government runs on force. You remember that, and police forces are called forces. So intimidation generally has you to comply, and then force is used. And when force is authorized to be used, uh, they generally go all out. That's just the way it is. So when you get professionally trained agitators uh, to go over into any uh, meeting and group or whatever, who, who literally will throw the firebombs at, at cars and trucks and so on, and do other things as well to get the riot starting in the hope, you see, because there's another thing to do with human behavior. One, once they start swinging, clubs other folk lose their temper who would normally w- wouldn't riot at all, and they'll fight back. So you've, you've got the whole mob fighting the authorities. That's how it's, it's all worked out in strategy. The anarchists, of course, some of the anarchist groups are well trained in this stuff too, how to get it all started. But we, we live in an age where government counts on conformity and the knowledge, the perfect knowledge, and the constant surveys that are done on people all the time to show that the people are just the same and uh, a certain percentage are, well, go, or they don't like this, the policies here, they don't like that, a certain percentage, we'll say. But, um, but overall, X amount of people, which is the majority of them, uh, will, will, will just accept it, even if they don't like it. Uh, that's how government works today. Constant surveys, constant, constant. And... Again, through technology, and that's the key to it too, uh, they have perfect understanding of the, the technological system, the cybernetic system, really, of Wiener uh, and uh, Norbert Wiener, who came up with cybernetics on how to control people, and even wrote another book along with it uh, called um, uh, The Human Use of Humans. You see? And uh, it really is, uh, his whole theory was the world was just too chaotic. Um, he worked with other bigger groups, of course, uh, naturally. Uh, but he, the, the theory was that the world's too, too chaotic and people are, are too uh, unpredictable because of different variety of personality types that, that, that they'd have to f- really create a form of training and of conformity and training people into conformity in order for them, him and, and other folk like him, to, to feel safe, basically. And so the idea was even to, to link people with machines and technologies, and the te- through technologies they could then prompt human behavioral changes. Well, we're, we're, we, we are completely immersed in that stuff today, even though he wrote his books initially, I think back in the 19, late 40s it was. So, you see, things aren't happening by themselves. The computer, and even mentioned the computers in the early 1950, would eventually help run our lives, etc. 
to make us conform to, to a set of, of behaviours which are the betters, the professionals would manage for us through the use of mathematic, uh, mathematics and algorithms, and it's all here. Nothing happens by itself, Neither, in, in, any more than, than the theories he came out with were his own either. <laughs> actually, that's really how it is. Mo- most of the biggest characters in history that you're given to do with technology, especially through the 20th century and 21st century, are in a sense front people who are selected by very powerful organizations uh, that run basically the planet today. People don't come out of nowhere uh, and are elevated with big, massive, millions, maybe even billions of dollars publicity to make them some kind of you know, genius figure, when all they are generally are businessmen, not inventors or anything. Quite amazing. And Wiener himself, his main thing, he's, he was a mathematician. But he was a political mathematician, <laughs> and that's where he put the, the mathematics to. Uh, just like mathematics, you always want to make sure, at least we used to in the old days, want to make sure that two and two equals four. Then Wiener wanted to, to be absolutely certain, without doubt, that even if there was a glitch in our, our human makeup or our brain, an aberration for a, a split second, uh, that two and two would guaranteed to become out as guarantees come out as four every time and everybody, or maybe five. It depends uh, what he's because it, you don't forget too to create people who are conformists. Uh, you also have to eradicate or even even make it a, a taboo to have certain kinds of behaviour or opinions. Naturally, especially if those opinions are very individualistic. You see, and we're living through all of this today. We have all the nudge units on working, the behavioral insights teams working. And, of course, you get punished even for mentioning this stuff that I'm talking about right now. And I, that's how bad it is now. Understand? You're not, nothing's missing you. You can, can't see these things and get missed. You will get punished by them. Because we have the overlords who have been put in front of us to worship, you see. And they're incredibly rich. Uh, they're front people, really but they're following a mandate that was on the go and, and planned and published and written long before they came along. You understand? that They're, they're basically fulfilling a role. They're, they're a role player, basically. And just like Aldous Huxley said, they can make it seem, in a, in a sense, for most folk who are, again, conformists, remember, who uh, will always adapt to be the same as everybody else. They were the lumpen proletariat that Marx talked about, in fact. Um, and so they, they don't have to understand things, or they just want to not get noticed, you see, so they adapt. And if, literally, if, uh, <laughs> if everything they adapt to, including the, what they look like, is, is a telling sign. I mean, I was in town just at the, on Friday, in fact. I say I don't go out much at all, especially to town. I have no interest in in town or, or, or looking at crowds or stacks of cars and travelling and so on. Um, I do the basics and that's it, to just get out again. But I, you do notice things and you see how quick things change when you only go in maybe once every month or two, you see. Sometimes three. But you see big changes in the dress, the modes of conduct and so on, uh, what people wear. Right down to even tattoos, more and more and more tattoos. And even the tattoos, if you understand that the 1960s psychologists at that time, 
1960s and 70s, they said that lots of studies, again, on human behavior, but were always studied by our, our owners. And at that time, you see people who were in prison and who rebelled against the system and got into prison. That's the kind that would have tattoos or pirates, in a sense, you see. And that's also validated by, by the big crime lords in the world. You, you have, a, like, the, like the Japanese, they have their own system there too for the crooks, and they have their incredibly tattooed bodies, and everything's symbolic, of course, all the different things that are put onto them. And you'll find that in, in China too, and, and different trad gangs. But you also find it in the Russian gangs, and some of the Russian gangs aren't just Russian. It's quite amazing. I didn't even know it myself until I read a great article on a guy who was in a, getting released from a prison in Britain after several years, but he was from Russia. And he had all these tattoos on him. And he's a, he's a pretty, much an older guy now. But he was boasting about um, what some of them meant. And he was explaining about, just like masonry, you know. But he, he was expl- explaining about the different uh, star symbols on his chest, for instance, and this one means that, that you're a, this is your rank, and this one means... And he, this is telling about big crime, big organized crime. And he said that... that uh, and this one means that you, 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 you never kneel to anyone. You, you've reached a higher degree. You, you don't have to kneel to anyone. And, and if you're below a certain degree, you do have to kneel to the, to the guy above you. It's quite fascinating to see that this getting done and uh, talking about amazing tattoos or covered with them. This is an old idea with them. So tattoos, as I say, even back in the 60s, the psychologists had generally criminal classes or people who had been put in prison. In the Western countries, it was generally folk who were tattooing themselves in prison, etc., just to rebel, to say, you know, get lost, etc. But uh, now, you see, now... The studies all say something different. If you go in, this is the beauty, again, of having the, the access to a lot of the information that you get. Uh, you, can, you can compare things. And it's great to see psychologists uh, having great beliefs in this, that, and the other. And then the latest study comes out a few years later, and it's completely opposite. Because they say that, that well, see, now tattoos are, are, to, are to show your individuality, you know. And, uh, and that kind of stuff, you know. It's, yeah, you're showing your individuality. You're not like the mainstream. Well, guess what? When you, be, when you get all the folk looking with tattoos, <laughs> they're the majority. How can you be different when that becomes the majority? You understand what I'm saying? So, so that's, all, that's all bogus, too. So, of course, I, I, I said, well, who's the main target? Who's the main target of tattoos? And on whose skin do you see most of the tattoos? With all the colors on it. Well, well, it's rather obvious, isn't it? So you're seeing them being mutilated and put into a category in people's minds of being of degenerates, in a sense, even if they're not. Even if it's become popular by, by, by the creation of popular culture, which creates all the fads, you see. Because that's really where they're getting it all from, from years and years of years. They even, so I did, a, I did a search on that and, uh, and to find out where the, the first series of, of TV programming on tattoos and then they make it popular with characters in the, the, the TV series. They also carry, and then reality TV shows of tattooing going on. And stacks and stuff, like you wouldn't believe it, going back for years. And that's what creates, the people would never think of this themselves, folks. 
you got to remember too, back in the 90s, actually even, now, I don't know if it was as far back as that, you had the girls, I don't know where it all came, again through TV again, suddenly they all had these wearing, wearing pullovers with sleeves that are going past their fingertips. Yeah. They all came from TV. Do you understand how you're handicapping yourself if you can't use your hands, eh? Hmm? And they look like waifs, like nobody's child, you know, poor sad-looking things. And, and then uh, after 2000, you had a, a fad there where in the middle of winter, they, they, just, they, they just had to because it was all through the TV programming and, so, and, and they would always copy what they saw. Again, conformity, copy, copy. Bare bellies. In the middle of winter, frozen stiff. Huh? I bet everybody's glad that went away, that one, eh? And now, of course, it's tattoos, and, and, it's, the, and it's the basically, it's almost like spandex pants and tights that men and women are wearing pretty well. And, and even then, they can't figure it out, apart from being able to show off with, with sleeveless stuff, their tattoos and all that, you know. It's more and more than we're getting them, which means how can you be an individual when you've all got them? <laughs> That's where it'll go eventually, you see. But, but again, every, 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 what you're seeing has a purpose by those who give you the fad, you see. When you look at, uh, as I mentioned the cashless society, for instance, I've done talks before about how clothing was designed with cargo pants and no deep pockets, so you couldn't even have a wallet back in the, the, the 90s. Uh, and the young folk, again, always the same age group, w- would adapt and adapt. Uh, and they, they had the, these, these kind of flat-looking pockets with the, with the buttons or whatever on them. And uh, they're called cargo pants. And that was so that you would start walking around with, with credit cards and, and, and debit cards as opposed to having actual cash. No nasty bumps of cash, etc. on coin, you see. And, and so you get trained that way. It's so easy to do, isn't it? Because your masters want you to go cashless, because then they can track everything you're buying, you see. And that'll come down to your credit score eventually. Just like China has it too, but they're, they're using the same data uh, that we're, we've got here on all of us, you see, where you're going, to be, you're going to get pointed out for breaking certain rules, or you had meat twice this week, you see. And don't know you bought it because there's 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 the receipt, the electronic receipt on the internet, all all your stuff, and you'll feel really nasty, and they'll point it out to all the people. Isn't you know, citizen so and so a really nasty person? He's let you all down by having more than his fair share of blah blah blah. And he's destroying the rainforest and that by by having that that beef burger. And you think I'm kidding, don't you? You're getting trained. And of course, when you look at the, what they're wearing right now, hmm, there's nowhere you can put anything pretty well on, what, not even a, hardly even a credit card. Maybe you'll just get that somewhere. But it's meant, so eventually you, you will take a chip, which is going to be, and they've done many shows of, of different things they can do with chips on your skin, or even ones they can even stencil on your skin, just like a tattoo, and scan it over, and it'll be so trendy. And you want to be trendy, don't you? You want to be really trendy. And also, too, with, with these, 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 again, these are something like painted on pants they got. It makes them all look so skinny. So which it's meant that thin people, the thin people are the in people, you see? When they're telling you to eat less and definitely cut up pretty well all meat, hmm? 
because that's the agenda. And it has been it's published by the big, big uh, groups that run the environmental system for you. And no, it's not the guys in the streets protesting at the bottom. It's the folk who gave them all these ideas, you see. Uh, you have the Club of Rome. You have all these different groups. Dreamt this up long ago, you see. Long ago. So, yeah, you'll, you'll be really skinny, you see. And, well, that'll be, oh, that's the way to be, yeah. Until you hit the winter and you'll be frozen stiff. Because you'll need some kind of yeah, something in your body to get like fat to burn off and, and keep you warm. But again, once they get you into all, off the, all the proteins that you, you need to add the enzymes that go along, you know that you need from meat and so on, then they've already admitted you're more prone to different diseases and infections and so on. And with the, the, the subsequent push or the parallel push to reduce energy consumption, energy consumption, and so on, eventually to, to rationing status then people might start dying off. Maurice Strong talked about this gleefully when he talked about the necessity to eradicate Western civilization, including us industry, years ago. These great heroes, you see, Maurice Strong, the Biodiversity Treaty, etc., that eventually ends up being, you know, dealing with the whole environment and the climate and everything else that comes along because it's all one system of control. But you'll be okay with your, your painted-on pants. And everybody will look much the same. You see, conformity, conformity. Because you can squeeze into them and say, okay, yeah, except if you go overboard and you, you've got an extra, you had an extra beef pie there, you know, or an extra sausage. Oh, my God. And everybody will point to you. Just like they did in that, 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 um, that movie, The Body Snatchers, eh? where the woman eventually sees Donald Sutherland and they're, they're all trying to pretend that they're, they're not infected or taken over and cloned with these, 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 these big aliens and so on. And she walks across the street and, and Sutherland turns around because he's been taken over too. She doesn't know it until he looks at her with these strange eyes and opens his mouth wide and goes, oh, and points at her, you see. And because that's how you're going to be because you're being bad, bad, bad and everybody's going to give you nasty comments Nasty citizen, so-and-so. That's nasty. You're letting us all down. Conform, you see. Conform. And just like Darren Brown's conformity experiment, which is a standard experiment has been doing forever, isn't his idea. They'll all be, you know, they've, they've all conformed and you haven't. So you better do it fast, you're, or you're an outcast. My goodness, you're an outcast. And, uh, and you'd be bad, bad, bad. And you all want to be good, good, good and get little plus, plus signs, little, little gold stars for your report cards. And I'm not kidding about this, folks. You're already having incredible backlash from the systems that you've been forced into, which is the internet. And everything goes with it. And again, you're giving people, supposedly, who now control it, these, again, these walking gods, you see, these new gods that are launched with massive money behind them to, to, into a stardom thing. They're kind of stars. When they're not stars at all, they're just like businessmen front people. But they're going to get hit you, they hit you hard, hard, as you, if you point out the reality of what's going on. Reality is forbidden, folks. It's forbidden. Absolutely. Absolutely forbidden. Warning about the system. Just warning folk to be cautious. That's forbidden too. And they're ruthless about it. And they're penalizing folk 
for having opinions. Do you understand where it's all going to go? Now, most folks, sure enough, will confirm and have confirmed and that they'll play forever and they'll play away all the years of their life looking at fantastic seascapes and things and, and play, play, play and be good and be left alone. But at the same time, they won't do anything either, you see. They're dust in the wind. They're forgotten, that's it. They've been good citizens. But the, the world and civilization was never built with just good citizens. It took, it, it took real individuals, not front people, parading as though they're real individual geniuses, because they're not. But it took real people in the past, and, and recent past too, to give us uh, any ideas of true beauty, and, and, and even respect for human life, and for the human condition. And even compassion for the human condition. You, you can criticize the things that humans can do at times, but you've got to have compassion as well, because we are all human, I think. But uh, again, as I say, anyway, I'll, I'll put up some links t- tonight too, to do with that very, this very topic of cybernetics and, um, and things that, as I say, that Aldous Huxley knew. He knew, he, did, uh, he mentioned it on George Wallace's show, that uh, he was worried about the techniques. He knew the techniques existed. He called the hypnopedia and things like that. He, he knew it was way ahead of that, the behavioral sciences. And he had, he had good access to, to the data too. In his day, including the fact that he was so well connected with the Tavistock Institute, where they did all this experimentation, and even then, way back in his day, uh, at that time on that show, they were already putting wire, right, straight wires into folks' brains during the Delgado-type experiments on actual humans. They did some excellent movies about that too, by the way, with uh, Christopher Walken in one of his earlier movies, The Mind Snatchers, was about that where he plays a young American soldier who's a bit of a, a cocky, little low-level type psychopath type in the military. And he suddenly gets transferred to this private hospital and he ends up being used as an experiment. And right to the very end, it's never going to work with him. It's not going to work. But he ends up getting the, 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 basically the wires put in. And those days they did have the, the early Dalgato stuff too, where they had exter- an external buzzer thing, basically. It would just buzz the part, of the, it would make a connection, and the wires going in the brain would make contact, and certain parts of the brain could be stimulated to be very passive. Or e- e- the other one to do was, was a rat experiment on humans, where they could make them sexually aroused, so they could do nothing except play with themselves forever. Uh, until, even to, to the stage, the, like the rats, they, they would eat, etc. That was done. These things were done on people. And it's, it's not imagination, or, or the, there's old documentaries that, that were done. Not, well, it's actually filmed for the experiments at the time. And some of them are now available to the public if they, if they do searches for them. So Walken plays a, a young officer that this is, this is actually done on. So we're, we're living in a, in a system where things that you see manifesting in your lifetime are just the latest version of the same experiments. Today, it's, uh, you have mind manipulation, not just through all the data and the sequencing of data and how they format the data to be sequenced when you're looking at certain stuff. If, you're, if you follow all the prompts now, you, you, wouldn't be, you wouldn't believe 
you're being guided perfectly to come to an opinion you haven't even thought about yet because you're following what they're prompting you to do. It's so perfect, the system. And it works with most people. I can remember a long time ago, they, they talked about, uh, in warfare for instance, that most of the weaponry for warfare is made to hit the, the vast majority of people. Uh, and especially to, when it came down to even bio-warfare. Uh, there's always a certain percentage, they thought back then, who, who, could, who had a natural resistance to certain bacterial, uh, bacteria that they'd actually made it to be evolved, etc. But some people still had a resistance to it. They knew that. But most folk would succumb, and that's what the most weaponry is for, to hit most people. Of course, since then, too, they've been trying to get uh, weapons. And even in that area of biowarfare, they would kill everybody they'd be targeting, including ethnic-specific warfare, where it would, those with certain genes from backgrounds, ethnos, they would get targeted and very, very effective too. Like the Kelly, in fact, that was killed in Britain, that's part of the reason I think he was eventually found suicided, as he said he would be, pending the court case that was coming up. And he was found the way he said he would be found, <laughs> exactly. He knew it was going to happen. But uh, that's what he had been done, doing with a, a joint British, I think it was Israeli uh, uh, thing at the time, with, with the two governments working together on, on that particular thing. And they had articles, I don't know if it was a Daily Mail or the Telegraph, I remember I kept them, I got them somewhere years ago, where a reporter was allowed in to, to Porton Down establishment in, in England. And that's the big biowarfare, one of the big biowarfare facilities there. Not just biowarfare, but all kinds of advanced warfare techniques are, are drafted and tested out there. But, but uh, they did, um, he did say, he was fascinated, listening to the scientists come in in the morning around the table having their coffee, uh, talking about, uh, quite casually, about death, destruction, statistics and coverage and ethnic-specific viruses and bacterium. And some of the viruses could be, could be released that would travel across the country do all of its damage within a week and seven days exactly, it would, it would just die, start dying off itself. You pre-program them and then an army could then go in and everybody's been killed off, you see. It's very precise, very precise stuff. Uh, that whole area. Yeah, you'd have to be a psychopath to, 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 to work, of course, in those areas. And a lot of them are. Like most of them are, in fact. And they have families, and they can, but they don't crash with the knowledge of, of the, what they're doing Psychopaths don't hold on to frustration or anger. They must release it immediately on, generally by working it out through some other people. But they'll sit back and smile as, as they get people arguing and fighting. But they're excellent for scientists and so on because they, they don't, nothing worries about nothing at all worries them. I think you all saw the 12 Monkeys movie, a comedy, but uh, also showed you at the end which is more realistic, actually, that uh, the person who will unleash hell on the world is probably someone who will work at some big biowarfare uh, company or some big uh, pharmacological or, or vaccine company because they deal with all the terrible viruses, naturally. And uh, someone who could walk out with the vials and just start spreading it. And, um, and the, the, the actor who, who played the part fitted that very well the psychopathic personality uh, of uh, 
not worrying, very calm and collected and and free from any anxieties. He was carrying all these lethal stuffs through the through the airport, etc. And again, convinced he was doing the right thing to, to kill off humanity. See, it's the same with if you look at those who want to, who do rule the world, actually, and, and who are not worried about any population that you have today. They know darn well that the population is declining and folk are becoming sterile. And that's not by accident, naturally. And you'll you see the side effects of it, too, where they use mass migration as an excuse that they need replacements. And they're not completely lying there. You understand there isn't a switch to the next system, just like a switch. There's it, always a transition period over a period, a long period of time, maybe a generation. Maybe a full generation, maybe less. But I, when you hear people, for instance, really screaming about Trump okaying uh, almost about half a million uh, workers in high tech from India, yeah, they should be training them here, absolutely, etc., etc. But... They're looking to more. It's more than that, just that. They're also they're looking to they bring them in from India, knowing, you see, that the workers from India still have family values. See, years have been destroyed deliberately, but those from India have strong traditional family values, and they will uh, bring in wives or, meet, or, or bring in or decide because they choose wives and so on. And they'll have big families, and they will definitely pr- produce a, a, a crop. Because that's what we are. The pressing crops dying off. They'll bring in a crop of workers for the future because they're not getting produced in the West here. Everybody's walk, running around in their, their tight pants and getting covered in tattoos and playing themselves, you see. But they're not having children because that's what they've been trained to, to do and how to think and so on, not to have children, not to get married. There's been a war on the West for a long time. And so many of the big players, as I said, for instance, the, like the, the Maury Strong, were quite open about it. They had a, a hatred, an absolute hatred for, for, for Western people and the societies they'd built. They called the biggest curse on the earth, etc., etc. Hasn't changed. And there's elements behind this too that I won't go into here, but it's to do with, with occultic, an occultic system. They, even the, the, the folk who think they're in it today don't even understand because they're low level. Even if they think they're high level, there's much, much higher levels. But they, they don't know. It's completely intertwined with what's happening today. Uh, the things that are happening, and right down to even the necessity for population reduction, etc. That is not a new a new concept at all. So those who are complete existentialists, like Wiener was, uh, with his cybernetics and the human use of human beings, that one that he wrote to, uh, he was definitely existentialist. But uh, so you have them, and then you have all the the people down below who who, who go along, and and they play with with what they're called the new age. Um, Allowable and pushed, promoted through television for years and years and years. Uh, they, they call it spirituality. Fine, fine candles and things and cardboard with paintings on them and stuff like that's fine, 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 folks. But you don't know what's behind it at the top, do you? And and what the big players from the past were really involved in, you have no idea. It's so sad, so sad. The people think they make their own decisions.
everything's got a purpose, as I say, even right down to the fashion of the things you wear. Because that will, that's not kidding you. you. You look at some of them, who, and they're also proud of how skinny they are. They look, they look like anorexic, a lot of people. I'm not kidding you. And it isn't just uh, pictures and, and, and newspapers and, or magazines. It's in your own areas. Even in Sudbury, you'll see it too. How they all copy something that's put out for them to copy. And they want to be all be the same, so I don't want to be look different, you know. And, yeah. And then they'll start becoming anorexic to fit in all these clothing, to look really good, because being anorexic is the look now. There's all these stories about vegans and veganism, and now they have these paid little armies of NGOs again uh, to attack farmers across the world and getting away with it, folks. Hmm? It's because it's the agenda, and that's what's getting promoted. And you'll be good, 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 when you can, they can hardly see you. You'll be so skinny, uh, and but you're, you're eating all the right things. You're told to eat like your your cricket burgers. Remember the cricket burgers? That was a big thing when you push and so on. And uh, and no meat. You, you have like a meats. That's okay. Like a meats. You know, fake stuff, and so on. Because that's all. That's the, the your masters have decreed. That's the way it's going to be. And they've decreed that you're good if you do what you're told, you see. And most folk definitely will. And they want good social credit scores. And, and even though I'm saying it in a, in a jocular fashion, I'm dead serious about it. That's what it's all for. Absolutely. And the people at the top who will probably penalize me for saying all this stuff, and I do get this, uh, will make my life a bit of a hell because they're completely intolerant because this is a totalitarian system you're living in, folks. It is totalitarian. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, no doubt about it. So, let me see now before I run out of time here. Once again, the systems which control you and have got power, they can control finances, everything now, and my God, they're using it. And there's not, there's not a peep from your government, you know, as to say, oh, this isn't right. Have you noticed that? Because you see, you're, you're in a new governance system. This is the new governance system. All planned for you. But it says here, uh, there's an article about the 1990s, it was a simpler time for Google, you know, when it was starting up or becoming, getting, beginning to get known by the people. And the nascent company was merely a search engine and Gmail, Android, and YouTuber, but glimmers in the startup's eyes. But anyway, the first privacy policy they're talking about here was simple. And then it goes on. The version of the internet and Google's uh, is gone. Over the past 20 years, the same privacy policy has been rewritten into a sprawling 4,000-word explanation of the company's data practices. 4,000 words. Now, who is going to spend their lifetime reading this thing? Hmm? It's the same with everything now, isn't it, though? So the evolution came across two decades and 30 versions of their policy. And it's the story of the internet's transformation through the eyes of one of its most crucial entities, the web is now terribly complex, and Google has a privacy policy to match. I'll put that link up for you. It goes, starts in 1999 and goes up through all of them. Uh, if, you, if you want to waste your time looking at it, you can do it. But everything's the same now, you see. Because you must consent. You must consent. You see? Like Huxley said, you must consent to love your servitude. Because you're owned, understand? If you use all this stuff, you're owned, and they have authority over you, and they can make your life hell, or, or they can actually close down your life. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you, folks. Think about it.
This article, Elon Musk's Neuralink plans to hook humans' brains directly to computers, it says. He's an entrepreneur, he's a businessman, right? Not an inventor. His brain chip will ultimately achieve a sort of symbiosis with artificial intelligence. Well, there's your, there's your, your, there's your cybernetics right there. This is all from years and years and years ago. Now is the time to bring these people forward to implement them. You see, hmm? there you go. Artificial intelligence. So. The startup called Neuralink has made its first major public announcement, revealing, revealing uh, flexible threads designed to link human brain directly to a computer, and so on and so on. They float the idea every so often, even in movies, but uh, it's here, it's because it's here. And these people are really, they're fronts, as far as I can see, they're, they're not inventors, they're just put out there with, with uh, fronting the money, basically. To make it all happen, but but and a lot of their their funding is actually government backed as well, isn't it? They don't use even even whoever the backing money is is generally coming from government too. The gods, the hidden masters, eh, coming forward, eh? But they're not the masters either. The Swedes are having a futuristic microchips implanted into their skin to carry out everyday activities and replace credit cards and cash. Now, a few years ago, I did articles where they had a nightclubs, one in the States, one, I think, in, maybe in Sweden, too, at the time. But uh, it was the, the trendy thing. Oh, my God, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ahead of the pack. I've got a little chip put in. And they could load up the chip with, with uh, credits or cash or some kind. And you just put your hand over the, the, the bar thing and the code reader, and it would deduct it from you, so your beer was taken off, etc. But of course, the next step to the next step and the next step, and here they go. It says, it's very black mirror, Swedish scientist Ben Liberton told the Post of the similarity of the TV series highlighting uh, futuristic scenarios. Well, that's what these futuristic scenarios are for. They're, to, they're predictive program, getting used to the idea, so you think it's all quite natural when it comes along. Another thing, too, you're owned, as I say, like an animal. That's really how the existentialists see, see you as animal behavior. That's they use the terms in their own writings. So selling yourself is a growing market for your DNA data. No kidding. Ah, well, I can make money off my DNA data. Hmm? Well, uh, run for the hills, folks, if, if, you, if, you, if, you're falling, if you fall for this kind of stuff and you're a good match for somebody who's awfully wealthy uh, anywhere in the world, because they actually do have these networks, eh? Where all this stuff is instantly put up on, on the websites in different, different sites. And if you're a good match for somebody, you might just have a, a nasty quick accident, you know, or disappear. Because that's the world you're living in. And the National Health Service in Britain is to sell DNA tests to healthy people and push to find new treatments. You see, they, want, they, want, they want to help you. Eh? And so cutting back the given health care people, they want to treat you better. You know, they can, they, can, they can tailor make the treatment to suit your illness. Well, they certainly can, actually, in a lot of illnesses, but they won't do it for you or me, you see. But they do it for other folk who are much more important and, and wealthy. That's reality as well. And uh, the U.S. has picked DNA centers that will sequence one million genomes using volunteers. But uh, some folk who get the grants, $28.6 million, this is... Uh, 
they'll they'll do it themselves awfully awfully well for careers, I'm sure, and uh, jobs for life, eh, that kind of money, for a few folk. But that's great to track your health, your diet, environment of a million people of all races. I like to see how they say that too, who have handed over the genetic data to the project. They give over your genetic data. And then China's $9.2 billion precision medicine initiative could see about 100 million whole human genomes sequenced by 2030 and more of sequencing costs drop. Then you have uh, well, there's some nasty stuff I won't even go into, but uh, it's really a rehash of what's been happening before about what they really do burn to keep some of the hospitals uh, heating costs down. <laughs> you don't want to know. Uh, I like the term, though, human waste, you know. If you don't understand what they're saying there, well, that's it. You, there's, there's nothing left for you folks. Where folk are called human waste. Hmm. Also an article, too, from last year from Holland, who, they were one of the first countries to start euthanasia. And, of course, naturally it blossoms once they get it on the book. And they've even, uh, well, they've even killed off their own people here and there. Who, who didn't want to be euthanized. And that's what happens when government takes over, you see. That's what happens, folks. What do you expect it's really all for? To help you? You'll cost money, you see, to treat you, even though you can be treated with many, many things a day and live longer. But, nope, it's cost-effective. And, and now, of course, in Holland, they actually allow euthanasia for folk with psychiatric illnesses. That's what Hitler was blamed for too, for for his racial hygiene and all that kind of stuff, and purity hygiene stuff. They bumped off uh, those who had congenital problems in the, the hospitals. And here they're doing it now. But it's a good thing when the rest of the world does it, you see, because it's authorized. I mean, you, you don't want people suffering, do you, for goodness sake, eh? So it's okay. You understand that you can be convinced of anything, and you already have been in many ways, by the professionals of emotion and the way they present things to you. Just too easy, folks. Because that's what runs us, the behaviorists and so on, with, with a, an army of, of, of uh, helpers and techniques and specialists to bring you to the right opinions. You know? And pretty well anything and everything. I'll put the article up too. And then there's uh, one too to do with Lyme disease, biowarfare again. Now I remember talking years ago about Canada who, that really led the world during World War Two and after it for a while in biowarfare. And in fact Canada, I don't know if they still do, but they... they they were breeding what they called the bomber mosquitoes. That was a nickname. Big mosquitoes. They can carry a larger dose of, of bacterium. Because a large, it's a large dose of bacterium or viruses that, that, that can uh, decide where it's going to take once you get bitten. Uh, and uh, too small, it might not work. Your, your immune system might fight it off. But if you've got a big enough loading dose, you see, you, you often succumb. And you get the infection that was, that was designed or desired in that, in that particular case. The U.S. House of Representatives has called for an investigation in the states into whether the spread of Lyme disease had its roots in a Pentagon experiment in weaponizing ticks 
And the, the ticks, of course, um, are, are well known for it. As I say, Canada led the world for a while. And there was a book called Deadly Allies. Deadly Allies. About World War Two and afterwards, but it was uh, Canada's secret war. And how the some famous people, including Bansing, that was a hero for giving uh, insulin, get, getting that going for, for diabetics, for instance. But he actually worked with the with the war labs for killer diseases for the enemy to be using the enemy and their and their agricultural system for crops, by the way, like fungal systems, and which is already happening. If you noticed in the the West and states and all that. Uh, they're saying it's, it's really um, reactions to all the herbicides and that they've been using. Uh, it, it's allowed these different funguses to take off. And now they're adding, they're giving funguses in, in different parts of the country, in the States, and, and also in Latin America, um, the fungus to, to, to kill off mosquitoes. That's the excuse they're given. But once they, once they, they spray this stuff, often it takes off by the sea. It just keeps growing, eh? Uh, anyway, Canada, as I say, they also developed stuff to be used for livestock, for instance. To be used on enemy civilian populations and livestock for long, long term warfare. That's how you work things out. If you can kill off their, off their agriculture, kill off their livestock, uh, starve them to death and so on, then eventually you, you'll have won, unless they've done it to you as well. Canada did create these giant mosquitoes really, that were to be exploited to the States eventually after World War II, to Plum Island initially, and they would uh, then attach the different viruses and bacteria was there. But Canada had its own, own bio labs too, where they designed uh, pretty nasty, lethal, awful things. And apart, in, the, in the book, I think they said they even sprayed over parts of Alberta and Canada uh, on, on herds of deer. And I think these type things had, had something similar to spongiform encephalitis and something be akin to Lyme's disease. Well, here you go with the story now, because the U.S. now has, has got an awful, for, for years now, in some, some of the states, an awful problem with Lyme's disease. And, and so many ticks just, oh, some folk uh, come out there, get their dogs coming in, just be in the garden maybe for an hour. And you've got to take about 12 ticks off them, like commonly every other day. Yeah? And the folk are getting them too. So, uh, uh, this is the House of Representatives in the U.S. has called for an investigation to whether the spread of the Lyme disease has its roots in the Pentagon experiment in weaponizing ticks. And I'll put this article up and they say, well, that stopped years ago, that, you know, meaning they did it. But remember, they've, they've got all the bacterium types that they use to attach to ticks if they won't use it again, and the viruses too. I remember two years ago I did a show, when they, I kept the, the articles from the British papers, where a man and his dog that commonly walked around the outside perimeters around Porton Downs years ago, he walked his dog every night around the same walks, he eventually came down with, uh, they thought it might have been a, a tick bite, and the same with his dog. They called it the X, the X factor or X disease because I wasn't sure well, what kind of disease it was. It killed, he was dead with before 24 hours passed, and they put it down to some experimental thing. That's what folk thought of at the time. But uh, So they definitely have this kind of stuff, of course. But of course they say, oh, I'm not using it now. No, no, we just did it just to see what would happen. You know? <laughs> just, just like they used the, the cadmium back uh, years ago to display the people. And uh, it's yellow cadmium, eh? Uh, in the hope that people would mistake it for pollen.
highly carcinogenic. But again, you go on for hours with this kind of stuff, and I'm just, I don't, I don't plan to do that. So anyway, another article over and over again, military has conducted dangerous biowarfare experiments on Americans. Never mind the fact, as I say, before we go and sterile, like, all over the place. Eh? Come on. Too many people, there's too many people, oh my God. And you, and you start go, what a coincidence, eh? Mm. And then again, because you're goody-goody and you can fit into your, your little, you know, painted-on pants, basically. And you get a good credit score. And listening to this, this is definitely an ad, you see. This guy is a little article. But cricket juice healthier than orange juice. Many insects loaded with antioxidant study finds, it says. Oh, my God. Uh, that's what you want, antioxidants, isn't it? E- even though, mind you, there's stacks of studies out now saying uh, that all these radicals, etc., uh, if you eradicate them and the antioxidants uh, uh, and, and add antioxidants, then uh, cancers will take off. I mean, for everything they, they tell you, there's always another study that will t- tell you the opposite. So insects and bugs aren't exactly the... Uh, the most appetizing food items, but that doesn't stop a quarter of each population. There's population, right? An estimated two billion people, right? What? From eating, and I tell you, this, this, this population statistics, what a joke is to when you really look at what uh, folk were putting out years, just a, few, just a few years ago, not long ago at all, but the, the population of the planet. Yeah. And there's no, there's no real survey being done, you know that? Across the whole planet, no way at all. Now, some countries won't even give out their statistics. Some of the big ones. Anyway, it says, um, It's hard for most folk to get their heads around eating bugs. That doesn't change the fact that many insects are excellent sources of protein, fiber, and vitamins. A new study out of Italy has found, as the stacks of studies getting paid, eh? To put it this kind of stuff. One more reason to consider eating insects. Certain types are absolutely packed with antioxidants. There you go. Maybe you can get all those ticks gathered up, eh? And dehydrate them and fry them up into tick burgers. How is that? Hmm? This is a big push to you. Because then they don't want to get rid of cattle and pigs and everything else for you. But the little always have their own special private places for for their own beef herds, folks, just like they're all family in Britain. Hmm. And then this other article, cricket juice, health and orange juice. Wow, wow, that's beautiful, that, wow. And then you've got this article. <laughs> Tim Hortons discovered Canadians have a real appetite for fake meat. Wow. So the coffee chain announced Wednesday. This is obviously a, a, an ad, right? A disguise is a little article. Because I've never met any Canadians have a real appetite for fake meat at all. This is what you had in 1984 in the movie versions as well as the book. Where Winston's sitting in the canteen and they're all sitting eating that white gup of a kind of soya product. And, uh, and his neighbour says, well look at it, his neighbours always want to be, be accepted, you see. And saying all the right things, oh look at this. Looks like meat, tastes like meat. You know, there's not, there's not a bit of meat in it at all, he says. Yeah. There you go. You think we're just hitting this point by itself? You're living to a timetable, folks. They knew this stuff years ago. This is where you're going to bring you to.
right? So anyway, Tim Horton is going to uh, make this available, this, this Beyond Meat, it's called, right? Breakfast Sandwiches. Uh, make it at 4,000 restaurants in Canada. There you go. I wonder if they put cameras there to, to show the people, the customers eating. eating. Maybe I can get some good points because I'm getting hammered right now by putting on these black pants, you know, these painting them on and going to Tim Hortons and order one of these one of these super, super burgers, you see, with no meat at all and stand in front of the camera showing that I'm being awfully, awfully good by eating them and smiling as, as I choke it down, you see. Oh. Get some good points from my, cross, my social credit system. There you go. And... Um, and that's Article 2, it says Extinction Rebellion. This is the big movement they got uh, across Europe now. To try to force everybody to go along with all this stuff, you see, because too many of you, and you're destroying the planet, and you're causing global warming and all that rubbish, you see, because you think we never had summer before. The summer, this summer here is your, your pretty typical Sudbury summer up here. Incredibly high humidity, which is the normal. Lots of rain here and there, you see in between, and high heat, and buggy as can be, and no, it's not abnormal, it's, I've got a memory, I don't need to have the news tell me I don't, I can remember last year, and the years before, last year was, it was the driest summer I'd had for a while, now I'm back to normal again, that's how weather normally happens. But Extinction Rebellion is led by extreme Marxists who want to bring down the government and say people might die in the process of uprooting capitalism. Yep. And the guy who's supposed to be the head of it, the, 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 the street level head, not the ones at the top that relieve planet all and fund it and so on, is called Roger Hallam. He's, a, he's one of the leaders in Britain. And he's actually said that they might have to make go bad and folk will die, you know. I don't know if Britain will ever react to anything anymore because they don't even bother even investigating a lot of the knife things they have now in certain areas because of the certain areas. And to put folk in prison over there, the country's so broke. It's so broke. And you keep getting more and more folk to, to put in prison. Well, that's, that's when you've got a failing system. You can't afford it. So anyway, this guy says that... Uh, he was being trained to go to university for a, a training course, actually, how you do, you know. And they actually teach stuff like that at university, you know, how to have anarchist-type uh, techniques and so on. Right? I guess you get a degree in it. It says, a shocking statement was revealed in a policy exchange report authored by former counter-terror chief Richard Walton, which added that ICSAR, or whatever, is aimed at uh, achieving a breakdown of the state and democracy. Well, no kidding. Well, what are they going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Again, too, you understand that the big folk, even the Club, Club of Rome have said this, they would use, they would, you see, those who rule the world used the term democracy for a long time. But no ever uh, illusions that they'd actually give real democracy to the people. Never happened. And they've always said, like the Club of Rome said, they, they wanted to bring in a new governance system. Very explicitly so. And they used environmental movements as a big push to, to try and convince the public to say, well, we can't survive unless we change the system and you let us rule you, basically, the specialists and so on, etc. 
this democracy thing is in the way. You can't get things done uh, to save you all. we got to just change the system. Well, this is what this guy is doing in a different way on, on the street level, you see, with his followers. It's all the same thing. And it says, um, others claim, and some of the members are getting fed up now, you see, because they're using vegans not to, to shout and rebel, etc. But it says that some of them have left, claiming that infighting amongst themselves, that's pretty typical, within the group, and that some are being bullied by vegan members who are the most radical of all. The vegan members are the most radical. Well, that, that's exactly what I'm telling you, folks. And, that, and that's what's held up to be goody-goody, you see. And that's what you're going to get with your, your, your very tight uh, painted on white, black, or black pants, I should say, you know. And showing out how, how, how skinny, skinnily vegan you are, you know. And you'd be goody-goody, you see. And you can be a revolution at the same time. I, I guess that's plus good, isn't it, like Orwell would say, I suppose. So there you go. Google again, the big monstrosity. Under alphabet, this, this is running everything, the financial systems, electronic cash, your whole life. They've got total power now, folks, if you haven't quite figured it out. Most of us, say, don't care. They'll keep their heads down uh, and uh, say all the right things. They all know what's, what you're supposed to say about anything, and, and they hope to be left alone. They'll be goody, goody, goody. And Google is to pay a million, million dollar fine for targeting children with adverts on YouTube and then illegally collecting their data following FTC investigation. And they're using it right down their lives. They're doing studies in them all, you see, too. And uh, this is a multi-million dollar fine anyway. I won't stop it. Of course I won't stop it. You, this is all part of the new form of governance, folks. It is. It's not by your vote, no. It's by policies. Our, our policies, says. You know, and they change their policy whenever it suits them, and depending on who you are. That's how it's done. And as I say, a complete intolerance. That does not bode well at all, this complete intolerance. You cannot have a society of clones. You can't have it. You must have different opinions on different things. It doesn't matter if you like it or not. Or what's been said, it doesn't make it. If you can't take stuff that you don't like, well, don't look at it. Don't re- It shouldn't bother you. But once it's gone, uh, you're in trouble, folks. Anyway, but this whole thing with Iran, as you know, has, has been building up because Iran has been given the choice to start fighting back. Eh? And Iran is on the list, as we all know, that has, wasn't finished off when Bush was in. And they're still going at it. And Britain, of course, had seized one of the Iranian oil tankers, I think it was, near Gibraltar, under a pretext. And so what, what Iran's done now is to seize a British one, you see. If, if Iran's under a embargo, and the only income they'll get is from exporting oil, if they can't export oil, then they starve to death. And that's their choice right now. I'm not standing up for one or the other. I'm just saying this is, this is, your, this is your geopolitics. And they want everybody to hate Iran as being the bad guy, but the fact is they were complying with their treaty that was, that was drawn up, the Rasti sign. And the Atomic Energy Commission, folks were in there every, every twice a year, whatever, gave them clean bills. They, were, they had not made the dirty uranium stuff to make the bomb and all that. There's other things behind it. There's certain folks just don't want it in the area. They don't want what they call it a... a, a, a they want a secular government running the whole show. 
completely secular. That's what they did with with Egypt. Remember, they weren't happy with uh, who was vo- who was voted in, so they had to get him out to get another character. And so, the, the people there are people in this world who run run the world who are never happy with anything. And even if they comply, they're, they're not happy either. There's other agendas at work. But Iran is supposed to be turned into Estonia, just like like Iraq and Libya and. Uh, not quite Afghanistan because of the hilly country, etc., and how old the, the the clansmen are there, the tribesmen. It's the same. We're living through a script. You see, everything's a script because the future is always planned by those who are in, in control and who own it, basically, or think that they own it, or say that they do. I guess they do, since no one else is. Uh, I don't know. Do you have the authority to, to tell armies to to go here, go there? But of course, you don't. And of course, the, the world's always been scratching its head since at least Gulf War One, at least and probably before. As to what in there, what's, what's America even doing over there, and everywhere else, hundreds of about over hundreds of bases over across the world. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, they're trying to say that the other possible enemy could be China. Otherwise, you wouldn't need a military. You see, they always got an enemy. What a farce! Since your own countries signed agreements to export the factories in your countries all over to China years ago under the free trade deals. Hmm? But that's the way of it. So as I say, we're, we're not going... I don't want to sit in, in fret too much because you, you, you can't live by fretting about uh, how, how nasty things are. You can understand them. That's all you have to do is understand them. And hopefully sometime in your life you can pass information on to other people down through time, information has been passed on by a few to those who, who pick up the knowledge of, of, if you understand the past, you, you're done for. And the present becomes the past, you see. And they're constantly changing the histories of the past, aren't they? Like Orwell said they were. Hmm? So you need people who have the facts to pass it on. Awfully important, because there's always a few in every generation. It's always the few who have, have the whatever reason, who knows why, but that they, they have that that need to know, and the need to, to take the bad news too, because you, you understand how the whole system works, including how nasty it's been in the past, including your own lifetime. This is not a utopia by any, any means. When they keep telling you how wonderful it is. No, that's Disneyland, folks. That's not reality. That's not reality. And you will, as you're, as I say, having fun and you're, you're surfing the net and you're looking at all these faraway places with sweet sounding names and going, wow, and I won. And then you'll give little comments and it's all noted immediately with a thousand different Programs just working on you. <laughs> and then they'll come down and say, but you spent 10 minutes more than you should have watching this naughty, naughty. It was, you should be in your bed 10 minutes ago, you see. Or you won't be refreshed for working tomorrow for your Lord and Master. But you come to love your slavery, as I say. Because the yoke is light, isn't it? With this particular one. Seems so at the moment, but it's not always going to be so so light. And it isn't already when they're telling you, you know, 
about social credit systems, for goodness sake. Total conformity to the boss. Total conformity. That's what they mean. And every opinion you have is downloaded into you and you better repeat it or else. Complete intolerance of viewpoints. That's your masters today. With the blessings, obviously, of all your governments. Or if they're not really governments, what are they nowadays? Oh, yeah, they're called governance. Mm, okay, mm. Okay. Anyway, don't sit and dwell on it. Uh, I've crammed in a lot, maybe more than I was going to do tonight, but uh, time does fly in. And survive the the, the summer, for those who are getting a, a, a decent summer, you know. Don't fret about it all. Don't listen to the high numbers. Just before I go, I looked up the, the, the hottest days that for the UK, for instance, as an example. And a, and a few other countries too, over a few years. And when they say the Britons had the hottest day uh, for X amount or whatever since they started in the early 1900s, or you know, that's not true. Uh, the, 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 they'll say the highest point uh, the hit was, and then they'll mention a little a little county somewhere in England or Wales, hmm? during a concrete forest where they put the thermometers and the sensing equipments and so on. Electronic stuff. So it's got all that stuff reflected back in it. But the fact that they used that reading for that one place, for the whole of the country, the highest reading for that one wee place, you see, for the whole of the country. Whereas in the county next to them, it could be a quite a few degrees lower. To, the cons that they put, this is from their own, own websites at the Met, for the Met office. You have to really, under, how, the, how the games are played, eh? Huh? How the games are played. Quite something. So agendas must be must be pushed through. Everything's counting on it. Now before I finish, I gotta remind myself <laughs> as well as you, they can buy the books and discs at cutting through matrix.com. And you can use personal checks or even send cash or use PayPal and, and different other methods of doing it. You can send postal money orders too outside Canada and make sure it's an international postal money order, which you get at your post office. It's a lot cheaper actually in some ways to do it. And remember too that you can buy the books and discs there too. So you can donate, which are, and that's always acceptable because I certainly need it for, and these days I'm sure we're all having hard times, of course. And uh, the house would take along, and as the cost of living goes up and up and up, we're all suffering from it. We all know what's happening as uh, the currency can buy less and less, need more and more dollars or whatever it happens to be to buy the same amount of things. So remember, yeah, go into cutting through matrix.com website and you can purchase items, or you can just donate to me and help me keep along. And take note of the links to my official sites listed on the comm site in case the comm ever goes down. Thank you. Anyway, for myself from Ontario, Canada, I'm Alan Watt. May your God or your gods go with you.